Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson is an independent Billboard-ranked musician, NAACP Image Award nominee, owner of Flow Brands and Flow Wine, JD, an MBA, philanthropist, father, friend, and so much more, according to his website, MarcusJohnson360.com. But seriously, Marcus was a fantastic person to have a conversation with. I could have just sat and discussed with him the meaning of life, what music means to him, and so many other great topics. Uh, But unfortunately, I only have 45 minutes with him, so we packed in as much as we could in that amount of time. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. We talk about what flow, F-L-O, means for the love of, specifically about his book, his advice, his essays, his perspective on a lot of different situations. And I think it's going to be an enriching conversation, which will leave you feeling empowered and excited to really go tackle that creative project you've been putting off, the work that you've got that you're unsure of how to focus on just your life. I think in general, it's going to be very enriching and inspiring. And that actually, that authenticity idea brings us to today's sponsor of the podcast, Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is Nick Silvestri. So he designed the Detox Podcast logo. So if you like the logo, you want to go support him, go check it out at snuffy.co. And I just want to take a moment to thank you for stopping by the Detox Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. I'm excited to provide you with a opportunity to detox from the world around you and hear Marcus's perspective. And just a heads up, if you do like the show, please feel free to go subscribe on your platform of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, however you want to consume the show, go subscribe. That way you keep having the episodes pop up in your feed whenever we release new episodes every Monday. And feel free to share it with a friend. Uh, Share it with somebody you think would enjoy it. Share it with a friend or family member or you know, just share it on your social media, whatever you want to do. It really helps us out uh, to subscribe, share, leave a five-star rating, possibly a review, whatever you want. I appreciate it. Helps us out and helps us continue to grow and be able to help other folks detox from their life. So my conversation with Marcus will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast, After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do. What does music mean to them? 
and how do they quantify success? We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is a, N- a NAACP Image Award nominee musician, self-empowerment activist, and most importantly, a father, Marcus Johnson. Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I am doing fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. I'm super excited that you could join us on the show today. And we're gonna. there's a, a couple different perspectives I want to dive into and conversation topics I want to cover. But to start off, I want to remind people who are listening that maybe this is your first time listening to the show. Here at the Detox Podcast, we invite listeners to quote unquote detox from the world around them and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I want to start by asking a question to help level set the episode and ask you, Marcus, what are you currently detoxing from? Wow, life. I mean, if there's anything, you know, that I think I'm detoxing from, it's going through the grief of there is no more, uh, there isn't a normal anymore. Um, Everything that I was taught um, about life and education and planning and, you know, such is really out the door right now. Um, And the things that are coming in are the perseverance, the grit, the resilience, but I'm detoxing on thoughts of how it used to be right. and the idea that, you know, we need to get back to it. I can't wait till it gets back to, it's never getting back to right. it is uh, it's going forward. Yeah. And so I am having a very rough time detoxing on that. And I'm trying to detox on zoom calls you know, mm-hmm. and detox on, you know, things that aren't about, you know, my my restoration, my rejuvenation, so that I can be the best of all those things you mentioned, you know, father, musician, et cetera, et cetera. Man, if I'm, I'm dead tired, I'm not good to anybody. Yeah. You know, that's a good point you bring up. I think it's so easy in this virtual way of working. I mean, we've, it's been almost a year since the, the country decided let's, let's lock it down and, and shift people to going remote and shutting concerts and, and events and everything down. We're almost at a full year of that. And I think it's been so easy. I know, at least from my perspective, that now that everything's virtual and I'm at home and I'm not commuting anywhere to go, oh, let me let me just hop on another call. Let me just take on another project. Let me just do a little bit more because I can because I'm saving all this time from commuting. So let me just pour it into work. And then you find at the end of the day, you are strapped. You're exhausted. You're burnt out. I mean, you know, uh, there in my book, I talk about that and the idea of focus and, and the idea of using your calendar. Right. Um, and the fact that it is the most important budget that you will ever create is your schedule because it has the most, you know, important resource uh, that you have, which is your time. Yeah. And I think that what we do is we do, you know, we do our lives by happenstance. And as a result, it's almost like judging how much money you really have by your ATM, 
you know, uh, um, you know, receipt. Right. That's not how that that's just what's been taken out at the time. Right? right. So you have people that are like, well, I think I have more time to do it. And I see the time in my calendar because, yeah, I'm being good. I'm looking at my Google calendar. I'm looking at <laughs> iCalendar. I'm looking at something. And you put that next thing in there. And I took a screenshot of my calendar last week. And I'm like, dude, you have to stop. Right. Like, Marcus, you're going to have to stop because you're going to run yourself to death. And I work out every day and I'm trying to spend time with family. And I'm like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. But I'm not but I'm not on a plane every week. Right. Right. You know, no, I'm not. But I found like four to five other things to fill up that time. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's something we have to do, man. Yeah. You have to be cognizant of every second of your time and you have to treat it as if you don't have tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, you bring up a good point. So your book, For the Love of Living the Journey of Life with Intention, Love, Passion, and Happiness. So you've shared what a collection of essays with personal advice, lessons that helped you. Talk a little bit about some of the, the genesis for creating that book and then what the response has been as well. So the, the genesis for the book is I have always been one who has uh, had a desire to see back into my community. Um, and I've spoken many places, even when I perform, I can be in front of, I think it was like 25,000 people at the Newport Beach Jazz Festival uh, last year. And I will break down for 10 minutes and I will talk about life. I will talk about my deeper concept, making sure that you are, you know, dreaming, engaged in it. You have a, a great environment. It, it, there's a plan, you know, that's written, you execute, you reflect. I'll stop and do that. And so people would finish the concert or I finished the concert and people would come up to me like, man, your concert was amazing. But what you said hit me. Mm. Where can I get that? So, you know, I being a professor and these kind of things, I was like, you know what, let me let me try to put this down. So I was traveling and I decided uh, one trip going back from D.C. to Napa, uh, San Francisco to SFO to go to Napa. I was like, let me see how much of a chapter I can get done in a flight. And five hours later, I had the first chapter of the book. Wow. And then I was like, well, if I can do one chapter coming here, let's see what I can do back <laughs> going back. And when I went back, I had chapters two and three in their draft form, you know, basically done. Right. And um, I was like, well, if I use my time like this in a matter of a couple of months with all the traveling I'm doing, I'll have my book completed. Yeah. And that's what I did. I, I committed to that. I put it in my schedule. And um, every time I was on a plane, I just, I wrote it. So, you know, it's for the love of, it's for the love of, you know, things like for the love of crying, I have a chapter for the love of being stuck. Mm. Um, Cause there are certain points in time where it does, it's not advisable to push through the storm. Yeah. Sometimes those storms of life are just like a thunderstorm where your windshield wipers are going at full speed and you need to put on your blinkers and pull over and that's okay. Save the fight for the next day. Get a little nap under an underpass and let the storm go by. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, for the love of crying, a very important chapter for me because um, it was very centered on getting preparing myself to lose my father imminently. Yeah. Um, that's hard, man. Yeah. And why it was needed and how I felt afterwards um, for the love of dreaming, you know, for the love of focus and self um, and for the love of forgiveness, yeah. uh, forgiving ourselves, number one, so we can get through life. So you put that stuff together and, you know, tell some pretty honest stories about how I've done it the right way. And 
when I did it the incorrect way and how I learned from that to be able to turn it into a positive. Um, it hit the, uh, you know, pretty much right out the bat, hit the Amazon bestsellers uh, list um, and personal development and still going. We just put out the audio book. And um, I, I mean, I get calls from people that are like this. My wife and one guy was like, my wife and I are looking at your chapter uh, for the love of relationships every night before we go to bed. We needed this. You saved our marriage. That's awesome. Um, there, are, there are others who are like, this is the life manual that I never had because my parents weren't around and couldn't seed into me this way. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, I travel a lot. And the other main impetus was my daughter and she was on the way. And, you know, when you travel a lot and you think about things like that, I didn't want anything to happen to me. And for me to not be able to leave something behind for my daughter. Right. And I always, you know, recommend that parents do that. You don't have to even publish the book, but if you can write a note to your child, uh, you know, in utero, you know, when they're, when they're on their way, it lets them know how much you loved them before they actually even physically manifested in your arms. Yeah. And that has power. My daughter sees my book and now can read. She's eight. And it's like, daddy, but this book, you wrote this when, you know, I was really, really young. And and you wrote me stories that I read to her now of like, where's the best place to get some ice cream? <laughs> you know, yeah. travel as much as you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that, that in, in, in these times that are sentimental for you, share that with those that you love, yeah. um, because really that's your legacy. And that's the main thing you can leave behind. Yeah. You know, that's so powerful. It's something where I've been right along there a lot recently. I think, I think it was something that was always top of mind. The, this idea of leaving a legacy, making sure like, what do I want to leave behind for my kids? And I think it was maybe ramped into high gear because of, because of the pandemic, I, I will say with all of the uncertainty and, but writing to my kids is definitely something that I had done previously. And then I just got into this idea of like, well, I'm recording these interviews and conversations and discussions, these snippets in time, like what we're doing right now. And I was like, I need to back up all of this, get copies and just have it set aside. So whenever anything happens, they've got hours and hours that they can just listen to conversations, advice, perspectives. And it's a snippet moments in time where I'm talking about them. I'm talking about other people's kids. We're talking about life. There's just so much. And, and it, it makes me feel good knowing that it's preserved and able to be accessed later when they're older whether I'm around or not. And that's, it's, I think it's supremely powerful. And, and you bring up a good point as well about the different advice. Cause I think so often it is difficult to, I think, give ourselves permission to do the things we need to do to function. Like you talked about being stuck. You talked about crying. You talked about these things that can be very difficult for us as, as humans to give ourselves permission to, cry to be stuck in the moment and just feel everything to be human man yeah. i mean you know it's funny because you think about it i you know i've heard that before you've given me access to be and permission to be human to be human be human being human being to be a human being yeah. right and and like when you, you i don't think we really understand that um i think that we 
aspire to uh and we've been trained very well from education to television and now social media we've been trained to look outside of ourselves for uh those those milestones those points those those that 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 level of uh acceptance and and, and appreciation when it really starts within yeah and we have never been permission to, we've never been given permission to be ourselves right and you wonder why people are acting crazy out here right now yeah. because they've never been able to be themselves. They've been either white or black or Latino. They've been straight, gay, whatever else there is. They've been, you know, uh, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. Wait, but who are you? Right. And a lot of these people are these things before they're even human right. now. So it's like I'm Democrat and I'm black or I'm, you know, Republican and I'm black or Republican and I'm white and, and then I'm human. Right. So I, you, I, I deal with this stuff first. And that's the, the problem here. You know, it's a problem to understand we're all connected, dude. No matter what your skin color is, we all came from the same rock. Yeah. They, we, we all came from the same level of some level of, you know, single cell form yeah. and then evolved right. based on, you know, how we were flying through the universe. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yet it is not taught because to do that, I think the powers that be, if there's such a thing, they, they feel as though they lose control over being able to get you to go buy something. Yes. And yeah. and you know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, but I'll still go buy things because I like things. Right. <laughs> Let me buy the things I want to buy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that there is a an awakening that's going on right now. I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and she was like, There's an awakening. And I was like, Did you read the Celestine prophecy? And she was like, Um, I did. And I said, You have to get it. And it talked about that, you know, it came out in the late 90s, and it said, going into this new millennium. You know, there is going to be a, a a spiritual and and conscious awakening, and that's what's going on now. And that's why everything is intention because people realize those old characters, those old variables, those old stigmas, those old things—they're starting to matter less and less and less. And people are running crazy because if I'm not black or white or gay or straight, or what, what am I? You're you. And then you got to deal with who you are. Right. You got to deal with that responsibility. And we should welcome that, not be fearful, but we are scared as hell of that right now. Yeah. I mean, that's very powerful. I know it's so difficult to do the self-examination and understanding of who we are at our core as an individual. And then what does that mean for how I now interact with the other humans around me and the world around me? I think it's so easy to retreat. I'm using air quotes here back into our mm -hmm. own camps uh, and to say, this is my team. This is the team that I'm playing for. Like you brought up the political aspect, like Democrats, Republicans, this is the team I'm playing for. And it's easy to just identify as a label individually and not examine, but how do you interact with those around you? How do you define yourself? Because that requires a lot of hard work. 
and and vulnerability yes. and and accountability and self accountability right. right and so nobody who wants that marcus what are you talking about you may not have to take responsibility for the things that i do i can't say that it's the man or the woman who kept me down right. or the this or the that right. and if you listen to news right now it's a bunch of blaming yeah it is the blame game they're gonna do this they're gonna do that and that is so fear-based yes. and that's not how we're supposed to be looking at life it really is about the 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 infinite opportunities that we have but the only way you you can do that is to understand that with infinite possibilities, you have infinite challenges, you have infinite obstacles, and you should still do it anyway. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's how I was raised. Like, son, it's going to be hard and you should do it anyway. Right. And, you know, there, there there are rules of life that that are just as real as, you know, gravity. Like, you know, things are going to change. Right. You know, people won't always be your friend and be loyal. Uh, uh, things will end through. If you're going to grow, you must suffer. Yeah. You know, th th there's a th suffering is a part of you know growth. If you just teach us this, yeah. then when we feel pain, we know it's part of. God, I had a hard workout day yesterday. I'm sore. Yeah. Or. My, uh, my brain is sore right. or my heart is sore, Yes, but I'm better for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know that I want to, speaking of doing things that are hard, I want to kind of pivot slightly and talk about your musical career. And so you are a fantastically talented musician and I want to spend some time talking about how, what were the origins of you learning the piano and really starting to pursue music as a vocation? What did that look like for you growing up? Uh, well, <laughs> I hated piano, um, <laughs> with a passion, you know, it's funny to see how much time I spend with it now, especially in COVID. Yep. And I'm like, I hated this thing when I was growing up. <laughs> um, I wanted to play football and ColecoVision back in the day, uh, maybe some Atari, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and honestly, Joe, I had a mom that played piano and, I come from a family of very smart people. At the time, we weren't all doctors and lawyers, but we ended up being that. And so to have an aspiration to be a musician, it was kind of like looking down the nose at it or being looked down uh, through other, you know, people would look down at me through, the, uh, you know, over their nose. And so, you know, I kind of toyed with it a little bit. And then, you know, I there was this type of music in DC that's indigenous to DC. They call it go-go music. So it's like Chuck Brown and the soul searchers, gotcha. this kind of, you know, ethnic groove. And I loved it. And I wanted to be in a band. And my mom was like, well, get straight A's and I'll buy your uh, first keyboard. So I get straight A's. Um, Cause I was going to play. Right. Mm -hmm. And that Friday that I get my grades, my stepfather wins the pick three lottery. Wow. And he, we go to the Washington music center, which is still around and buy my first Roland Juno 60. Now, I really couldn't play for the life. I, like, I sucked. But I was like, I'm going to play. And then I started, like, listening and learning things by, you know, sound and looking over my cousin's T-shirt, the T-shirts over the shoulders. And, you know, that was right around ninth grade, eighth grade. And then it was like, uh-oh, I'm starting to, like, there are these people, these, there's this girl I want to write a song for. And I did. And I uh, taught myself how to play, taught myself how to write, wrote her song and saw the smile on her face. 
And that was pretty much the beginning of Marcus, the entertainer, <laughs> because <laughs> wait, do I have a superpower? <laughs> Watch out world. Right. <laughs> don't, don't let this brother have a superpower. Right. right. So, um, and then I took that and did very well in high school jazz band, went on to uh, university of Miami where I majored in music engineering and technology. Um, and my mom got very ill, had a stroke and I had to come back and I came back to Howard and I did my undergrad, uh, finished um, in business and jazz studies at Howard and then on to Georgetown Law School and business school because that's what musicians who have music degrees do, right? <laughs> um, and then from there, you know, first summer I clerked at MCA Records uh, in their general counsel's office, which was an honor. That's awesome. And uh, the second summer I was like, yeah, nah, I'm going to get back to my music. I couldn't live without my keyboard <laughs> and started writing. And from there, I put out my first CD. That's awesome. That is so cool. And what an interesting journey and perspective to, uh, to both being a musician and then talking about going and getting law degree as well. That's just like, that's, it's, it's an interesting um planning you talked about planning earlier and, and time is the most valuable commodity and i'm thinking about how you had to devote a lot of time to both music and to law and to studies in general but it was an investment in your time and your career and and your development and uh, i think it's powerful you know, and Joe, the other thing about it is I was always taught to be an individual and that there wasn't anything I couldn't do. Yeah. So when I got screwed, I was a junior at Howard, um, had a demo deal with Blue Note Records at, you know, seven, it was 18, 19, 19, 20. Um, and it didn't get converted into a full recording contract because I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, I didn't. And I said to myself, I will never be in this position again. And that's when I came back and started studying for the LSAT. Yeah. And then once I was in law school, I was like, well, why am I just getting my law degree? I wanna be in business, I'm gonna have my record label. Let me go get the MBA. I took the GMAT and got into the MBA program. So I don't want anybody to think that this was my plan. Sure. I went with the flow. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole idea of like, you know, flow and for the love go of the as flow, well, yeah. right? Because, you know, I was just <laughs> courageous, bold, you know, enough to be like, man, shucks, you know, <laughs> or whatever word I use, yo, look, I, I'm doing this. I don't care what you're saying. I will never be in this position again. I'm going to take control of my destiny. Right. And the, one of the things that I thought about when I did it was I never want my kids when I have them or anybody around me. And I was mentoring kids at the time to tell me it's not possible. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me it's not possible. You can tell me you don't want to do it. Sure. But I did it. And anything I can do, you can do better. And that's what, you know, I've taught business development classes around the world. You know, I tell everybody anything. If you think my story is great, yours is better. Anything I can do, you can do better. Well, that's not possible. That's not what I said. What I said was, you know, I'm going to do it. Right. You go do it. Make it better. Exactly. And so it was about the flow. It, planning. You know, I, 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 I wish it was God's plan, you know, but I just kind of went on for a ride. I think it's, it's inspiring and empowering when you talk about going with the flow because of the fact that I think so often, you know, when we were just talking about society and the trappings and labels and perspectives that are given to us that we have to choose to either conform to or try and find a different path forward. 
I think it's easy to just say, oh, well, I am, I am a musician. So this is the only thing that I can do. I am a mathematician. These are the only things I can do. And then, and not opening ourselves up to the fact that, hey, you are an individual human being. You are not uh, in a box. You are not conformed to labels. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you have that perspective that you want to do it. And it it will be hard uh, at some points and that's okay. You can do it. And, and I think we just get so caught up in this idea of what someone else says that we are, or that we even say that we are, that we don't stop to think about why are we saying that about ourselves as opposed to giving ourselves permission to learn and go and grow to that perspective. Absolutely. I, I tell you, Joe, for me, it is like, um, if we spent, half as much time moving forward and taking chances as we did coming up with excuses and talking to ourselves out of things. God, imagine the world in which we would live. Yes. And, you know, the, the prescription of any higher power, any religion really is to use your superpowers as you are made in the likeness of a creator. Right. And you're a being that is here to, you know, manifest so you're not here to be told what to do. You're not a human finder. You know, you're not a, 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 a human waiter. You are a human being. Right. And, you know, if you, I, you know, I'm Christian. So I come from the perspective of Genesis says that I'm made in the likeness of the creator. So why would I not? Isn't it blasphemous not? to act as if though you're godlike sure. because that's what you're made sure. like yeah not i'm not saying that the bible right, says it right, right? right. so even if someone, well that's arrogant uh okay so maybe so but i'm gonna tell i'm gonna show you exactly where i am genesis is right. <laughs> boom, 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 right there right. right and and so you know we have to give again give ourselves our permission to be us mm. And I talk about the idea of, you know, the plan and that when you have a plan, it's automatically wrong. Just understand that you do plans to make sure that you have a general idea of where you're going and to show gratitude. And people are like, well, what what does gratitude have to do with making a plan? Well, you don't do this stuff on your own. Right. And you're asking a lot of people to invest time, money, interest, love, whatever in you. Your plan shows them that you actually care about them and what they're going to invest in you. And another reason why they should invest in you, because you're actually considering them by taking the time to say, this is what I want to do. And I have a pretty concrete idea of how it works. There will be contingencies. It will be wrong. But I, I have a plan. And then lastly, you know, the, the, the concept of I'm a doctor, I have to marry a doctor. Right. You know, I'm a lawyer, I have to marry a lawyer. I come from a family of doctors and lawyers, so I must be a doctor or lawyer. Well, I mean, it made for some pretty interesting conversations, <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, I'm very excited, you know, with how my life is turning out. And I still like, man, I'm, I'm almost 50, right? And I feel like, and I feel like I sound like, I'm like 20, like yeah. there's so much ahead of me, yeah. you know, and yeah. I can't wait like tomorrow. Yeah. God, I have another one. <laughs> and if not, no, I'm flying, man, and smiling somewhere around. Right. I love that. I absolutely love that. I want you to spend some time talking to me about flow wine and how that has, uh, how that has started and then also the evolution of it uh, so far. 
Flow wine is a, another manifestation in the flow of God in Marcus <laughs> Johnson's life. Uh, you know, in the middle 2000s, between 2000 and 2010, the music industry had a major disruption in right. digital services, peer-to-peer um, and the like. And our revenue structure was decimated. Um, many major labels went out of business. Uh, uh, basically, all of the distribution companies went out of business in the physical distribution realm because, I mean, what do you sell physically now? Yeah. I mean, some people still, some have CDs, um, very few. And I don't even know if there's really a music section in most stores anymore unless it's vinyl. Sure. Yeah. Some CDs, yeah, you know, but, but you're taking a chance there. Yeah. Um, and I sat in my office one day as I saw our revenue just decreasing and said to myself, what are we going to do? And I was reading a book by uh, Howard Schultz talking about how he had pivoted Starbucks um, when, you know, Starbucks had a Starbucks on every corner in Manhattan and Times Square. And, you know, you're going to cannibalize yourselves. You're just going to do it. Right. And he had, they started doing that around the world and they had to think about what they, what business they were in. And that's when Starbucks started looking like your living room office mm, yeah. and they found out they were the third place. So I did some, you know, like internal deep dives and found out that I'm not really in the music business. I'm not in the entertainment business. I am really in the therapy business. Mm. And when you understand that you can start looking at your, ability to provide services and products from a whole different lens sure. and from a different level of focus. And that is when uh, we first started the lifestyle CDs, which was for the love of standards, for the love of romance and for the love of chill, um, all debuted in the top 15 of Billboard at the same time. That's we awesome. decided to do that. And then it, the money just wasn't there still. I mean, I remember seeing the check that I got from all that and I was like, oh, my God, we're in real trouble, you know, and um, came up with that, you know, idea. Of, hey, look, we're in this therapy business. Our target demographic seems to be women in our jazz venues. Their number one, you know, alcoholic beverage of choice is wine. I love wine. And we're dealing with experiences. Right. Man, I don't think there's a better experience than some Marcus Johnson music with some wine yep i can sell that yep. you yep. know what i mean yep. <laughs> and you know and, and joe like a lot of my story as i talk about it and we're talking it's like having the biggest you know set the the the, the like let's say being at super courageous like just it seems like no fear but willing to take a dive off a cliff knowing not believing that you have faith, knowing that you'll be taken care of, yeah. you know? And so we go into this wine business and I start, you know, uh, doing a bunch of due diligence and research and putting again, biz together business plans. And in two years, we went from a Virginia based vineyard um, and selling just a few, you know, um, you know, cases to, you know, thousands of cases at a, uh, with, with production from, you know, California. And now we're about to uh, announce a, 
a very nice new deal with a very large retailer that will take us national um, this October. So I'm super excited about uh, what we're doing with Flow. I am super excited to start purchasing some Flow wine, getting it in my house, and letting the good times flow. If you will. Amen. There you go. Amen. <laughs> well, as we're starting to uh, get ready to wrap and go into the final segments of the show, I want to ask, is there one last piece of advice or mantra that you would like to give folks that you typically would give uh, like at one of your TED Talks or one of your performances, just maybe a, a mantra or a piece of advice that we haven't covered? Absolutely. And it would be to make sure that during these times and beyond to be gentle And when I say gentle, I mean gentle with yourself, gentle with your family, gentle with your extended family, gentle with your friends, gentle with your colleagues at work, uh, gentle with those you interact with, um, gentle with the larger society, gentle with people who don't agree with you, you know, and then all that goes back to being gentle with yourself because we have some time in this current paradigm. We're not done yet. And the only way to be able to make it is to be able to tap out and say, I am going to be gentle with myself. And then the only other way to be able to deal with others sometimes is to tap out yourself on their behalf. Like they're having a bad day today. I'm not going to judge this. I'm going to be gentle with this. You know, my daughter isn't focusing in school and got a report back from the teacher. And I was like, baby, what's going on? She's like, daddy, you know, da, 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 da. I don't know. It just seems like I said, let me ask you a question. Are you bored? And she's like, dad, I'm so bored. I miss my friends. And it's like it cut through the BS. Yeah to get to like my eight-year-old having a, and I having a heartfelt conversation of her telling me, daddy, I miss my friends. I miss going into school. I miss going up the driveway. I miss walking with you. You know, I, I miss being able to do the things that, that I do. And, and, and I find myself sometimes just bored, like another math problem. No, I don't want to do another math problem. I just want to play with some Legos, man. Yeah. And, and I end up doing that. And I'm like, Number one, I want to give you the biggest hug <laughs> and the biggest, you know, high five yeah. because that is an adult answer. That is a big girl answer. Yeah. And that's all I ever want from you is to tell me the truth. Yes. And she, you know, she's like, well, thanks for asking me if I was bored. You know yeah. what I mean? Because most parents don't do that. Right. No. And so, you know, but you have to be gentle, man. And, and you know, define your success and and your relationships and the things in your life with your own terms please don't define it with social media you know don't define it with somebody else's article you know yeah spend some time with you be gentle with you figure out what you want and then use all of your power in this short little life that we have to make it happen yep No, absolutely. And that's so powerful. And it's, you know, I think if you had in that situation, if you hadn't been gentle and hadn't been willing to cut through it, you know, you would have gone round and round and round about the nuts and bolts of needing to do problems and needing to do the schoolwork and, but just cutting through it and just meeting them where they're at opened up the opportunity to have a better, more enriching conversation that was more authentic to what was happening at the time. I love that. Now, the last thing yeah. I say is everything that we've been your whole podcast, man, in, in your series, 
like that is the message that everybody needs to hear mm -hmm. man just be authentic yes absolutely absolutely all right well it works we we are going to transition to the next segment of the show it's things to check out so it is a segment where i share recommendations and i ask my guests to do the same of uh what are they reading and who are they listening to uh so i'll go first um one thing i want the listeners to check out uh i may have mentioned it before but it is a podcast called code switch on npr a big fan of this podcast, so just a little description. It is, they're a multiracial, multi-generational team of journalists fascinated by the overlapping themes of race, ethnicity, and culture, how they play out in our lives and communities, and how all of this is shifting. So I highly recommend it. They did a great piece on the uh, Atlanta, on the Georgia Senate races, so that's where I first picked up uh, this podcast, and I've been consuming them ever since. So I enjoy getting a lot of my news from NPR uh, lately, and these podcasts in general. Um, and then the book that I'm reading, recommendation, is actually a book by a future guest on the podcast. So it's called Red, White, and Whole by Rajani Laraka. It's or LaRocca, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I'll find out. But it's a heartbreaking, hopeful novel in verse about an Indian American girl whose life is turned upside down when her mother is diagnosed with leukemia. So she is first generation in America. Her parents are of Indian descent and from India. And so she's sort of straddling two worlds as she's growing up. And so it's very good. I highly recommend both of those things. So Marcus, uh, what is one thing that you're reading and one thing that you're listening to? So the one thing that I am reading right now, which is so much, but the one I'll, I'll recommend is a book called How to Be an Adult in Relationships by David Rico. And it is probably the closest thing to my life manual uh, that I've read. <laughs> he breaks down the idea of true intimacy and the fact that the breakdown of relationships um, stem from a lack of intimacy that we did not get from our parents and society. And it's made up of five A's, attention, acceptance, uh, appreciation, affection, and allowance. And that if you don't get attention, acceptance, affection, appreciation, or you're not allowed to be who you are, your decisions as an adult are directly related to your need to fulfill that which you did not get. That's interesting. So people who are looking for attention in any way, they they didn't get it when they were younger. Those who are just, you, ha you have to show me you appreciate me. They didn't get that when they were younger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole idea of, well, I've, I feel like I have to prove to everybody they never got accepted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I need love. I need you to physically touch me didn't get affection. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is such an, he goes into things where I'm like, this works in business too. Yeah. This works intrapersonally as well. So very much so there. And then what am I listening to? <laughs> Honestly, you're going to laugh at me, man. I'm listening to a lot of headspace. Um, I and I, I don't have the headspace app, but I'm listening to the headspace uh, meditations on Netflix oh, because they're 30 minutes in length and they allow me to kind of focus uh, on the present and bring myself back from all this chatter that I'm dealing with in my head. Yeah. Please, if you hear me and you think my thoughts are, you know, clear, you know, um, they're definitely not short, <laughs> but you know, there's so much stuff going on in my head right now 
where I've learned to tune things out because I've had to. Yeah. So, you know, my, my, my thought is that find your own meditation, but this headspace, um, it's a series is incredible I love that. and walks you through the process of, of getting greater awareness. It, it deals with sleep. Um, it deals with forgiveness. It deals with acceptance. Uh, you know, God, it goes into like somebody who cheated on someone uh, with infidelity and walking through why and how you need to use meditation to let that go. Wow. Very, very powerful. That's fantastic. I love that. Oh, these are some great recommendations. We're going to transition to the final segment of the show. It is the dad joke of the week. So it's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests. So it works out. But I do like to put my guest on the spot. Uh, Marcus, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today? Um, yeah, uh, any jokes? Yeah, nah, I, I, and not that I can put on TV <laughs> and put my name on the ray. <laughs> you know, it, it, there's one that's like the telling time of what's going on right now. And they're asking these kids about, you know, the things, um, uh, that mattered and are asking parents and they go and they're like, oh, this, that, and the other. And they're just like, well, you know, asking parents, well, how did you get through this? And how are you making it through? And, and they asked this one woman with a kid on her shoulder and they're like, well, how did you get through? Mommy, that's not how you got through. We drove here today. So just from the mouth of <laughs> yeah. babes, you know, that's that. a little kid joke. I love that. All right. Well, Marcus, what did the grape do when he got stepped on? He whined. Yes, he let out a little wine. A little wine. There we go. I had to, <laughs> had to get you a wine joke in there. Um, I love it. <laughs> Marcus, when is a door not a door? I have no idea. Well, when it's a jar. It's a jar and it's a jar. All right. All right. Last one. <laughs> I'm groaning with the rest of everybody. Okie dokie. I love it. Little I love smile it. on right, my face. Right, little right. smile. <laughs> All right. Last one. Marcus, why was the horse so happy? I know it has to do something with knee high or something like that, no, but no. I don't know. Go, go away. Well, see, he it was because he lived in a stable environment. See, he was in a stable environment. So he was, all right, all right. <laughs> Marcus, if people want to follow you and see what you're Bye-bye. up to. Bye-bye. See you all later. I'm signing. <laughs> Marcus, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to follow me is going to be visiting MarcusJohnson360.com or going on IG or Facebook to at Marcus Johnson 360. Uh, you can find out everything we're doing when I'm performing uh, my audio book. Uh, we have a great link in bio uh, tree that you can follow. And, you know, it's, it's just great. So MarcusJohnson360.com. I love it. Well, Marcus, I had an absolute blast. I am so glad that you came on. I hope you'll come back again someday. And we do need a hashtag for this episode. I wrote down um, hashtag go with the flow, F-L-O. Does that work for mm -hmm. you? Absolutely. All right, perfect. Uh, well, listeners, I'll be back next week with another great episode. But until then, hashtag go with the flow. And as always, I will hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys.
Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.